are recording. We're recording, and we're eating the bread of the dead. Yeah, we stole this bread from a dead guy. Literally, just yeah, we went into his tomb. I did tweet like a year or two ago for Day of the Dead. It's like any bread can be of the dead if you're willing to kill for it. That's very good. <laughs> also, I killed it, it, some. I killed someone for this bread. Good, it's good. Men will die tonight. <laughs> it's good bread. It's good bread of the dead because right. now, as we are recording, tis Halloween. It is night. Halloween. Tis Halloween night, and we are the the only sad gays who are not dressing up, fetching them wigs. You know, the showing off the abs, showing off the pecs with a sexy costume, contouring. Like I, I love that scene from Mean Girls. It's like you only wear like the ears of an animal, an animal, and lounge, and like a sexy underwear. Like what are you? I'm a mouse. Duh. Duh. <laughs> um, yes. So it's yeah, Halloween. No, like, two days before the Day of the Dead. Thank you so much to every buff guy on Instagram donning a hot costume. By the way. Really? Have you had fun? <laughs> had visions. I bought my my costume ready. What are you going as? What's your costume? Crowley. From good Crowley, wow. And my boyfriend's going to be a zero fail. Oh, that's adorable. Right? Yeah. I've never done a couple's costume. I feel nauseating and still... Uh. <laughs> I'm still loving every second and, of it. I'm sorry, but Crowley and Arias are such... Such a good it's couple. the gayest costume. It, it's a very gay costume, but I love... Like, it's... They're oh, no, I'm, so I'm, pure. I, I totally... And, You've met my boyfriend and I. Mm-hmm. Like, we are really a zero failing Crowley. Like. Totally. Totally. Anyway. What are you going at? Have you planned a costume? I don't have any costumes on. I don't have any parties this year. I didn't even bother. Aren't you going to Manchitas? Were you not invited? Oh my god. When is Manchitas party? Is it this weekend? Isn't, isn't it the next Cut, weekend? It's, it's next weekend. And it's a theme, right? What's the theme? Comedy series. That's why I can use a zero failing Crowley again. Oh, Okay. Yeah, no, I, I am invited. I say they invite. I say they invite. Uh, I don't know. More. I'm probably gonna just be like, I'm from the office, something like that. You look a bit like this guy, a younger version of this guy. Um, oh, what's his name? This character actor from the states, El- Levi Levy. Eli Levy? No, that's just a very Jewish sounding name. Um, I mean, wait. It, it, I have no idea. Like, do you remember American Pie? Yes. The dad. Oh, the guy. Hilarious. This hilarious the, they're guy. They're doing... He's doing Sheets Creek right now mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Uh, his wife and his son. And yeah, I know him. Eugene Le- Levi. Eugene Levi. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Eugene Levi. I'd go as the son from Sheets Creek. Cause, I mean, I haven't seen Sheets Creek, but I've seen the gifts on Tumblr. Yeah. And just by the gifts, I'm in love with that series. Mm-hmm. And I saw a interview with, the na- with, her, with his... Um, with his wife, whose name escapes me now. Uh, I don't remember his name. She's she's the mum from uh, Beetlejuice. No clue. Um, anyway, she's amazing, and she she, she basically uh, that series is the four of them like ha- like it's Eugene. I, I feel really bad. I don't remember her name. Um, uh, and the son and the daughter, and they're all just. Having, you know, they're doing like improv in a lot of the scenes and like... No, from what I've seen, I, yeah. have, to, I have to see it. I have to see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's, it's amazing. Anywho, welcome to Mexican. This is Mexicans. Because we're Mexican. And we can't. We can't. Let me introduce my co-host, Martin Leon. 
Dear God, Martin, I hope all the emergency exits... Oh, fuck. <laughs> I tell why, you... This I... is why I don't write long roasts. Okay. Dear God, Martin, I hope all the emergency exits are clear to escape that massive superiority complex you live in. <laughs> yes! Wow. <laughs> I'm so okay. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. My, mine, that was a reaction. That was a reaction. Uh, mine actually matches that one. Okay, let's see. So anyway, let me introduce my co-host. Uh, if self-deprecation had a smell, and, the, <laughs> and that smell had a face, that would be his face, Luis Augusto. <laughs> that is so good. That's so good. I feel flattered, actually. It's just... That's very good. Well done. And this is Mexican. Thank you. This is Mexican. Now, have you been? Uh, mostly fine. I, I threw myself at the ground on an improv show, speaking of improv. And now the my, my right side hurts. And the plus side, it's an excuse to do less exercise at the gym. <laughs> That's a reason to get injured. Exactly. Good. But other than that, uh, good. How about you? I'm nervous about Saturday. All right, people. I tweeted this, but um, and we we talked about this yes, last week. We did yes that you won this competition, and now you're well. You won the semifinals, and I'm in the final now. Yeah, and it's only six of you going to the final. Uh, it's you, this girl, you who you said she's gonna win. Okay, no, but like, so she's, she's a, gonna win. So she's the person. She's a shoe win, basically. Okay, she's been doing this for years and years and years. She's so should I it. sabotage? No, nah, just let her win. She clearly, she clearly wants it more than I do. Okay. I don't really want it that much. <laughs> what, like, what do you win? Is it like a money thing? Are you gonna be? You they... get to open the headlining act okay. on the festival, and then you will be called to various other casa comedy okay. events throughout nice. the year next year and so on, which is great. To be honest, to be honest, to be quite honest, um, I do think that. Any production company that has seen that has seen you would be wrong to not call you to many events. Oh, stop! Yes, I know. I uh, mean, it's fine. Clearly, I mean, if she wants it, I, I think she's going to win. She's a fantastic comedian. She clearly runs laps around the rest of us because the rest of us have been doing this from anywhere between two and three. Is years. Is she a foreigner? She's not a foreigner. Okay. Is Fernandez? No, she's not a foreigner. Well. And. Um, She's been doing this for, I don't know, like five or six years. And you can tell, you can tell she's so comfortable on stage and she's so, like, she owns it very well. So it's good. All, all the more power to her. I really, I really hope she, she does. I'm going to do my best and see if I win. I'm pretty sure I won't, but I will. Well, you know, we'll I see. I will try to we'll destroy see. her. You'll do your best. She'll do her best. And then we'll, the pieces then will There fall. will be a lot of free drinking. You know, that's, that's, that's always good. I know. Unless you're avoiding drinking because you are... A sober now. A Mormon. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So anyway, fun. Um, so that's on Saturday, right? Yes. Nice. Uh, where is this going to be? Uh, Palacio de los Deportes. Oh, that's a big space. Oh, yes. Super big space. Yeah. The Explanada, you know, the, the yeah, Esplanade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Uh, anything else that you might want to? Not really. No, okay. I'm just nervous. Hope I do well. And if I don't, I will get sloshed. Good. So we were talking about, um, what were we talking about? We talked about the Mexican costumes. stereotype. Yeah, thank you. Our Mexican stereotype of the day is... Godparents. Godparents, and more specifically, 
The compadre. The compadre. Uh, the compadre is, people, you might not know this about Mexico, you might, because uh, godparents, like godmother, godfather, here in Mexico, like, if you're gonna have an event, you might want to get a whole army of people to be the godmothers and godfathers, which here in Mexico means they're gonna be paying for shit. Yeah, basically, um, in the, the closest translation I can think of in English is a sponsor. Basically, yeah. um, if you're going to have... Because here's the thing. Here in Mexico, we love to party. We do. But we don't love to make sound investments. So, these are two things that don't combine too well. Because then you have people who are like, it's true, it's true. I'm not, don't give it, he's giving me the eye. He's giving me the eye of, you're not going there, are you? Like, you're not going, it's true, I'm a Mexican, I can say this. There is this horrible dichotomy of we enjoy the party, we don't like saving. No, we we don't. And we love credit. Therefore, people will often find themselves in, you know, um, in the bind of they have a a wedding, they get married. And they need a lot of money for the wedding. Weddings are expensive. Weddings are very expensive. And then they, you know, the woman gets pregnant and having the baby as it is, is, is very, very expensive. But then this doesn't stop, stop the average Mexican. No. Because then they will throw a massive, uh, baptism party. We don't really do the, the baby shower here. Some people do. It's, it's getting, I mean. But it's the, 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 they're, they're liking it a lot. They're liking it a lot, but really the traditional thing is the baptism. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you, know the, you take the baby to the church, give him a dip in the angel juice, and... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was Next time I write a fanfic that was, that was with Arizaval and Crowley, and Arizaval comes. <laughs> that, was, I, that was insensitive of me. I shouldn't call it angel juice. It's angel jizz, really. I mean, it's just, you know, that's, all, that's all it is. You know, they come clear. Yeah. So when an angel comes, it's, it's pure, actually pre-semen. It's pure. It's pre-semen. <laughs> you know, because all angels are about nine years old, so they're shooting blanks anyway. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. It's it's my mo- most Catholic joke yet. Yes. It involves everything: religion, angels, pedophilia, semen, <laughs> semen that doesn't and even baptism. have the capacity to carry sperm yet. That kind of thing. Yes. So, um... You can follow me on... <laughs> no, so, yeah. So, basically, you have the the, 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 um, the baptism thing, and then that's when the padrinos and the madrinas come in. Yeah. The thing is, usually, uh, from what I know from what my parents say, and I might be wrong, like, you used to have, like, just the one godfather and the one godmother. Like, for example, I don't know if this is... Do you... Did you... Were you baptized? I was. Yes. Do you have a so you have godfather, god, godmother? Yes. Do they give you gifts? No. Uh, I haven't spoken to them in ages. I ha- I did not like originally like my bro- my older brother's uh, godfather who died when my brother was quite young. He was actually pretty doting. Like every time he saw my brother, he would like give him like a toy, but like a big toy. That's a big thing. That is a, that is a massive thing. Just like being very very you know like kind of like because originally i i, I believe the the um the idea of having a godfather was should something happen so it was a very yeah. it was a very harry potter kind of thing you know it's like if i get killed by the dark lord yes. then sirius here will be a godfather and he will take over yes 
for me. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, it kind of became... It, it, was, it was about the child originally, but I feel like sometimes it's more about the two people. Like the man, the man chooses his compadre, which is the godfather of yes. his son. And they, apparently this deepens their friendship. And then the comadre, yeah. I believe, is the wife of the chosen guy, not necessarily the one chosen by the woman. It can be either. Okay. Usually, yeah, it can be either. Uh, usually, like, if it's a girl, the mom will choose uh, the godmother. The and then the yeah. comadre, which is like, it's weird because it little means, means co-mother. Yes, like a co-parenting. Kind yeah, of basically. Uh, but what happened in my family is like my, like for my brother's uh, godfather, baptism godfather, because you have your baptism godfather and then you have your first communion godfather. Yes, and then your wedding. And then your wedding and sometimes your confirmation. Anyway, um, Catholicism, yay. So um, so my brother got my, my this was, this was one of my dad's friends, who was also his boss, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. And for me, when I was born, they wanted to choose another family friend. But my dad's family complained that the godfather honor should stay within the family. Because how can you trust someone outside of the family with your child as a know. godfather? From the stories I hear, your Mexican family is more likely to... Cheat you out of an, er an erection, I was going to say. <laughs> an erection. Don't, don't you hate it? I don't know how that would even don't work. Don't you hate it when your relatives, you know, you're, you have an erection and someone takes it from you. You just take, you take the erection. Uh, the inheritance. I want to say the inheritance. What is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. Um, so, um, so, the, so this uh, cousin of my dad's ended up being uh, my godfather, and he was he was there for the baptism, and then I didn't. Did you guys see... have a special relationship? With I didn't see him again until I was like, I was like sixteen. That's and when he came to like we were at this party, and my grandma um, says like this is your uncle blah blah blah, and I'm like cool. I was like don't you remember him? And I'm like no. He's your and he's like you have to remember him because you, he's your he's your godfather, and I'm like. When was the last time I saw him? Like, you were this... Like, she just pointed, like, baby, you were this big. And I'm like, well, obviously, I don't remember. I love it when people use their hands to indicate age. Like, yeah. you haven't seen him since you were this tall. You know, <laughs> well, I wasn't even tall. Just, like... I mean, literally, literally, they splashed water on my face. And Your span was this much. Exactly. Your wings and then I didn't see him again for 15 years. And then I learned, and then that's when my mom told me the whole thing about how my grandparents basically uh, forced them to have him as my godfather. But then he never like, but then he never like asked about me or anything. So yeah, but like for my first communion, godfather and godmother, they were neighbors in Guadalajara, and they were actually we were actually pretty close when we were living closer together. And then when I moved out, and since there wasn't social media at the time, we just kind of like stopped talking to each other. Yeah. It happens. And then, did you did you have godfather? Yes, I had a godfather and, uh, and a godmother for my uh, baptism, and then for my first communion. And for my baptism, it was my father's brother and his wife, and they've had a fallen out since. And yeah, I haven't spoken okay. to either of them for a long, 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 long time. Do, I, do you live here? No, they're, they're in Spain. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's like when, like I mean, when I before the falling out, because it's one of those times where the falling out has nothing to do with you, but then you know you're too young not to play along the fight. 
So eventually she's like, we don't talk to them anymore. It's like, fine, we don't talk to them. Like, anymore. yeah. What are you going to do? Grab your phone? Like, yeah. grab your cell phone and be like, what's up? What's happening? No, but I didn't, I didn't, really, I didn't really care. I didn't really care. And um, I had also a godfather and a godmother for my um, first communion. These were very close friends of my parents. Then, they okay. didn't have a falling out. They just kind of drifted apart. So now I have, I am godfather and motherless. But I don't really care. Because it wasn't that kind of thing where... The traditional padrino, like, for example, for a wedding, it will be very common here in Mexico for, like, if you're getting married, huh? if, if if you're getting married... That was uncalled for. <laughs> Welcome to the fucking no, rainforest. No, no, Nothing no. but shade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> when, when you get married, if you choose me to be your padrino of, I don't know... If you're going to have corsages. Let's say you're going to have corsages. I will. And those things are fucking expensive. I did not know how expensive they no. were. Until well, I you know, everything that's wedding related gets it's, slightly... It's, it's impossibly expensive. And so instead of paying for the corsages, you will get one of your friends to be like, your gift to me, you know, yeah. I'm assigning you the the thing that you're going to pay. Mm-hmm. And then you do the thing, which is... It's, it's, it's nice because it's kind of like... it It's... It's reminiscent of a of a culture where the bonds were tighter uh, between people. The thing is, yeah, it's nice because it's reminiscent of that. It's it kind of shifted because we, like from when I get like weddings, you used to have like one godfather and one godmother, and here in Mexico they basically had the same um, duties, quote unquote. As what you would have with the best man and the maid of honor, yes, in the U in the U.S. So like in on on the guy side, you know, it's like either his brother or a close friend who's gonna be like uh, who's gonna do the speech and is gonna make sure that everything in the party is running smoothly. Just gonna make sure that the guy doesn't have to worry about about stuff during uh, the wedding. And for the bridesmaid, it's like going to the um, dress fitting and like the cake taste testing and blah, 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 blah. You roll your eyes, but that like, did you see? Uh, No, no, no. The maid of honor is the one. Bridesmaids? Right. No. Uh, The Jennifer Lopez movie where she's uh, the wedding planner. No. Oh, my God. I've seen. No. I love wedding planner. I love bride wars. I love wedding things. Uh, So anyway. Uh, and yeah, there were some things where, uh, the, either the godfather or the godmother would bring in and, and usually the thing with godfathers and godmothers, it's that they offer you, they're like, okay, what do you need? And you'll be like, okay, I need, um, shoes, for example, for the bride. And they're like, okay, fine. I'll be your shoes, godmother. And they will pay for the shoes. Yes. And then like, they, they'll ask like, what else do you need? Well, we're looking for people to pay for the food and someone, and some family member will be like, okay, I can pay for the food. And they will be the, the catering, uh, godparents. But then it became this thing where some couples would just assign you shit. Oh yes. And they will come to you and he's like, you get to be the, something not even, something not even necessary. You get to be the, Special uh, name uh, embroidery napkin things that we want for a wedding, but they're really expensive and we want to pay for them. So you get to be our godfather for that. And we also expect a wedding gift. Also, by the way. And yeah. we registered at Bed Bath & Beyond. If if you're lucky. If not, it's Palacio Hierro, which is... Also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, but they, and it's kind of like... 
leaking into other parts. I have two stories about this. Like, first of all, my uh, bakery teacher in Cuernavaca, because I did have bakery glasses. Of course you did. Uh, she, she like she was a great baker, and of course she was. This was her business. She would like make cakes and sell them for events. So her neighbors, none of them who were particularly close to her as friends or anything, would go to her and, and be like, "We're gonna have like a baptism, or we're gonna have like a first communion, or we're gonna have like a birthday, and we want you to be the cake godmother." Oh my god! And she'd be like, "No." Because this is my job. If you want a cake, you pay for it. I don't know you. And they're like, I can't believe you would disrespect us when we're like inviting you to be part of this celebration. And she's like, she didn't say fuck you, bitch, because she was nicer than, than I was. But She threw a cake at her. Oh, no. Do you want a cake? You want a cake, don't you? want you? a cake. Here's, here's a burnt cake. <laughs> it was fine. I just burnt it on purpose. It was a fine cake. And I burnt it. Just for you. It is now a weapon. And I have weaponized cake. And then, uh, just this year... Uh, That's the title for this episode, by the way. Weaponized Cake. Weaponized Cake. There Let me go. write it down. Weaponized because cake. I usually have problems coming up with titles for... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the last one, it's called Dating Apps, and it's about dating apps. Oh, well. <laughs> we're, 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 very, we're very to the point. You know, it's like, metaphor, not for us. You know, it's just that we don't like it. And the other story I have, uh, my, one of my friends, her, uh, daughter just started going to preschool. So she had to buy the whole, you know, everything you, like the pencils and whatever. It's like, you have to buy, I don't know what you, school supplies. So yeah, the kit. Exactly. So, um, she got a message from, like, she, she's in the, in these, like, Facebook groups for moms. And yeah, exactly. I just rolled my eyes so hard, I saw my frontal lobe. <laughs> and well, it she's is beautiful. There. She's there and they do a lot of mom shit. They talk about a lot of mom shit. So anyway, so like some person in the group shared this message and it's uh, this woman sharing experience where she was like coming out of her house and her neighbor like approached her and she was like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, I'm going to go buy like the school supplies. And she's like, oh, that's great. Because I'd like you for you to be the school supply godmother of my children. What? And she was like, I'm sorry, what? But this and wasn't she, an event even, right? This no, no, no. Just, this is just, it was just, it was literally a woman thinking, how can I like, how can I get someone to pay for exactly. my kids? And make surprise. it seem like, and make it seem like, you know, like you, an you, honor. Exactly. This so is an honor. she's like, I want you to be my school supply, uh, uh, godmother for my, for my children. And the woman was like, I'm sorry, what? And she was, so the other one like, yeah. You know, if you if you're going already, you could buy the things for my children, and that way you can be the godmother. And she's like, I already have five children to buy school shit for. You know, like I am not gonna buy this, and this is not a thing. And but then she like uh, asked in this group, is this a thing? That and, is extraordinary. And everyone was like, no, it's not a thing. It is not. And don't make it a but thing. But I please. like the moxie. I like the moxie of just yeah. like, how am I gonna solve this problem? Yes, I know. I Social like pressure. I've been maid of honor three times Ooh. in my life. Oh uh, well, I've been maid of honor twice and um, best, best man, man once. once. Yeah. Uh, because you know, apparently it depends on whether the bride or the groom chooses you or whatever. Um, and I've thrown. Here's the thing, and I and 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 actually, like, I I quite liked being that you know that person because it, they were very very special people for me and I do throw the best bachelor slash bachelorette parties. Nice. Like I, just, I, I really enjoy it. But 
I you kind of volunteer for that sort of like nobody really likes is like this is how much you have to pay mm-hmm. like, would you like to do this and can you do this and so on like for, for example last time I was a maid of honor for a dear friend of mine and I rented out a party bus for her nice. and it was just the best and she was like okay how much is it going to be like he, she told me do me do me a favor do the budgeting and we sit down and ask, and we'll see how much we can pay, like how much we're comfortable paying. So she was very civilized about it. And she was like, because it is traditional, because this is, this is a tradition I can get behind. You know, it's like maid of honor, you, you, you take care of the bachelorette party. I, I get that. So she was very, very civilized. She is a very civilized woman. And she said, and I told her, okay, it's, it was about, I don't know, it was about like 11,000 pesos, everything included. And she was like, you want to go half seas? And I was like, I'm fine. That's good. Like I can do this. It's fine. But, like some weddings do really go overboard, like charging the the, the guests. Like it's yeah. just, like, especially people who get married out of town. Wow! I don't think they quite realize what an expense it actually is. I don't know. I don't know if they don't realize or they don't care. Like I've seen so many stories, so many horror stories, especially um, you know bridezilla stories of like this woman wants to get married in such place and it's so expensive so like literally they go like to the guests and it's like if you want to come to my wedding it's a thousand dollars per person and, and then their, their guests are like well then I'm not going to your wedding and they're like how could you be so selfish this is my special day blah 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 um, it's just like I just don't have the money one of my <laughs> sister's friends and she was going to be uh, she was I think maid of honor for this wedding uh, she the, the girl wanted to get married in some Caribbean island I forget which one um, Bermuda, let's say. Let's say. And so she invited everyone. And most people were like, I can't go to Bermuda for a wedding. Uh, because it's like, if you're going to go to the Bermuda... And then it's the hotel and the dress and Flights. everything, 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 everything. And so, like, it ended up being, I think, a Florida wedding. But she was like, I wanted it to be in whatever. You've Bermuda. taken my wedding. You By the way. stupid poor people. Exactly. But then, but it's this thing like, why, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Well, to be honest, like most of the, most of the, most of the horror stories I've lived through, they were actually, you can chalk them up to being just people just being oblivious or just like thinking it's their special day, which, you know, it, it kind of is, but just like last, like one wedding I went to with, with my boyfriend, it was that his friends and it was in Oaxaca, beautiful wedding, probably one of the most beautiful weddings I've ever seen and I've ever been to, but just getting there and obviously lodgings and, you know, everything it was about 20,000 pesos for the both of us, just going to the wedding, just going. And then there was the gift, because you still have to give them a gift. And it's like, the gift is my presence, woman. Like, I am gifting you my... I am here. I'm gift... Okay, fine. I don't know how much my, my company is worth. Well, you're funny. I'm you're worth. funny. Yeah, but I'm funny with you. Like, I'm funny, when I'm, <laughs> I'm funny when I'm comfortable. I'm not funny when I'm like, just, no. Just at a wedding going like, hi, I know, don't know anyone. And, and I remember how hot it was and my, my nipples were bleeding. Um, wow. Yes, I had bleeding nipples. Because my uh, guayabera, which is this very traditional uh, Mexican, Caribbean, Central American, South American uh, formal attire, which is made of linen, it comes with this kind of plastic they use to keep the embroidery safe and in place. Oh. And you're supposed to um, iron, iron it. Yeah. Iron it 
with water and it, it's soluble. I did not know this. So I was just wearing, I was like, well, it will chafe a little Shaping. bit. It oh. will chafe a little bit, I thought. And halfway through the wedding, I was like, this is killing me. So there was a pharmacy. I remember this. Halfway, like middle of the wedding, there was a pharmacy like two blocks away. I looked it up on uh, Google and I went to the pharmacy and I got, got some of these, um, like, uh, <laughs> nipple covers. They're not nipple covers, but they were like, uh, this, um, gauze, like self adhesive yeah. gauze. So I had these on my boobs <laughs> and it was beautiful. Like, I was like, oh, my nipples are not chasing, chafing anymore. I could dance the night away. And it was good. Fun. But it was, it was a lot of money. You know, you, you had to spend a lot of money. Yeah, no, and the thing with, uh, like, like we're saying, the thing with, uh, padrinos and madrinas, you know, the whole thing is that. Originally, it was this thing where people were offering stuff. Like, they would be like, I can pay for your... Or I can pay for part of your wedding dress. I can help you with so-and-so. It was usually something symbolic also. Like, it was usually some, like, you know... If, let's say, like, I, I do know of a wedding where the, the guy had, like, uh, an entourage of, like, six or seven... Um, uh, Best men. It? Best men, yeah, I guess. And yeah, all, when when all, it's six, they're not the best. They're no, but, just the ones you have. But they all pitched in and they bought the bands. The gold bands. Yeah, for example... And if six people pitch in and the gold bands are in total 20,000 pesos, yeah. then that suddenly becomes very affordable. Yes. So you're like, you can you can buy some really nice bands. So they all went together. It's like, this is our gift. Yeah. But it counts as a gift. Yes. This is my point here. And I'm not being stingy. I am not being stingy. I'm just saying... If no, you make, not at all. If you make me a godfather of something... That's my gift. First of all, be reasonable. Because it sounds very easy to say, you're the flower godfather. And then you look at the bill. It's like, you ordered 75,000 pesos worth of That's flowers. the other thing. Like, they'll be like... Uh, and it, it, I've seen weddings where this happened. It's like, I asked someone so to be my flower godmother. And they don't want to anymore. And then you just talk to her for five more seconds and you learn that the reason why they don't want to anymore is because at the moment the moment it didn't come out of their pocket they just went like I, what flower is not in season has <laughs> yeah. to be shipped from the other side of the world it's a flower that can only be found in this mountain the Himalayas it's the it's the miniature lily from I forget where it's from. There's a British museum that has a miniature lily that's that was like they thought it was extinct, but this scientist managed to bring it back. So it's literally a la- a flower that's worth, if not thousands, millions of dollars. I learned this in another podcast called Every Little Thing. But yeah, no, the moment the moment they don't have to foot the bill, they're like, oh yeah, sure, give me the cake with the. Mongolian vanilla and with the buttercream that has to be made by the monks in the... I don't know. I ran out of the creativity right, right there. Well, not right there, but, you know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. So, yeah, that's Padrinos and When you hear Mexican people call each other compadres, originally it was... A, um, a yeah. very an honor that was bestowed upon a dear person. Essentially, it's uh, because you could die because of you know revolution. I think it still is. It is an honor, yeah. but some people are. I think that the the main honor is being what is now considered the best man and the maid of honor. Uh, and then you have like the 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 godfather and godmother for the baptism. Like my mom to this day, uh, one, she's the godmother to one of my, I mean, she's not my blood cousin. <coughs> she just call her cousin because she's uh, a family friend. Another Mexican stereotype. 
calling people uncles and cousins and aunts. Yeah. Just, uh, because they're family friends. I think it happens like south of the country. Yeah. And anyway, so chip in if you know that. Uh, so to this day, when they see her, or when they see her parents, because they see her parents way more often than see her, they, my mom usually buys her like a little trinket, like a little, uh, like a little gold bracelet or a little, um, necklace or a little, like some, some earrings. Cause she's her godmother and she takes her job seriously, apparently. As you should. And thus ends our Mexican this stereotype. stereotype. Yeah, you're really on it today, Luis Augusto. You're like, let's get this shit rolling. I'm sorry, I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to make it. No, it's good. good. It's good. Know. It's been good. Like I get to edit this podcast, people, and so I get to laugh at a lot of things. And I get to edit out a lot of things too. And you were very patient with me because when Martin arrived today, um, I was in the midst, and by midst, I mean I had only just begun uh, putting together my ofrenda for Day of the Dead, which is a very minimalistic ofrenda. I don't, I don't go all the way. You're, you went way more than I did. Well, it was like, I don't know. Send me that photo later, because I want to put it, like, if you don't mind me putting it I on the Mexican social media. I don't put pictures of my dead. I, that, yeah, we that's where I draw it. the line. We talked about it last time. Like yeah. you, you do the little. It's really cute. Sure, Send me that photo, and we'll 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 share it on social media. Our at Mexicans Pod on Twitter and Mexicans Podcast on Facebook. Anywho, so today we're going to be talking about divination, the divination arts, the dark arts. Exactly. Peering, Don't you, how do you call it? Peering into the veil. Exactly. You know what I love um, in the. In the Harry Potter books, they had, like, Hermione hated divination classes. That was so me. Was yeah, me. but then she's like, what other classes are you taking? Arithmancy, which I love because, like, Rowling's like, well, they're not taking math because that's too boring and wizards And don't. useful. Exactly. Like, I can just imagine now, like, and uh, remember how the, the money in... We, we, we always come back to Harry Potter and I don't give a fuck. This can be a Harry Potter podcast for all I care. But, like... We always come back to Harry Potter because remember it was like 37 of the small coins equals 17 mm-hmm. of the medium coins and then uh, 47 of those equals like it's a lot of multiplication. Yeah. But as far as I'm aware, no wizard has ever taken basic arithmetic. Every single goblin in that bank is just stealing from them left and right <laughs> and they have no idea. They, they built an entire emporium and just, just knowing like, how to add. Exactly. <laughs> They're like... like Yes, of course. Of course, eighteen is less than seventeen. And you can imagine, like one of the one of the goblins just like pulling out a pencil and just doing like a, a regular old sum. Exactly. And the wizard's just going like, "What form of ancient magic is this?" <laughs> but I love it because like Hermione's like, "I'm not going to go to divination. I'm going to go to arithmancy." And arithmancy is another type of divination. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, as far as I know, it was kind of implied that she didn't like divination because she sucked at it. Yeah. Like, because it is said, like, divination is one of the hardest things to do. And I remember I saw this post on Tumblr at some point, which was that everything that um, Professor... The Professor... What was the name of the Professor? Emma Thompson. Tre- everything that, Trelawney. Trelawney, thank you. Everything that Emma Thompson said, like, every prediction she mel- melodramatically said, it turned out to be true. Like, there is this theory that she is actually a very good... But the point is with that yeah. is that you either have the sight or you don't. So having a divination class is kind of a moot point because 
like if you have the sight, you're going to be good at divination. And if you don't, well, then you're just learning, all right, this little cup has this thing over Some here. Some of them, but then they did take like uh, astronomy and there was the centaur who was like, yeah. and he did say something like, you can tell the future. It's just really difficult to do. Like, you can, like this is the star, this is the star, this is how it goes. But it's like, they, they imply it's a very difficult thing for anyone to have. And that talent goes a lot into it. And because Hermione is all about hard work and not talent, even though she's very talented, she believes in, in hard work. She clearly believes in hard work. Yes, of course. Even though she's very talented. Um, so I, I always thought that Hermione's hang-up with divination was that if you didn't get it, then you didn't get it from the beginning. Even though, like, it was so weird that she was surrounded she... by all this supernatural thing. But then somebody said, oh yeah, some people can read the futures. Like, oh, pish-tosh. Like, that's rubbish. How can someone see the future? Well, because I think it's also this thing where, like, if you're a human and you know what, thing, what things happen in the human world and the wizard world, you kind of just go like, well, if wizards can see the future, then why are you so... White? <laughs> why are you so crap? She's like, well, if you guys can see the future, then explain fucking Voldemort, people. Yeah. No, well, but that's the thing. It was explained. There was a prophecy. Of how Voldemort would do the thing and the thing and the thing. Yeah, exactly. And this still it happened, and still you you have you have prophecies. I'm gonna, and still you have like magic ma- ministers, ministers of magic going like, ooh, we can't do shit. Like, don't you have seers? I'm not usually on J.K. Rowling's side when it comes to plot points because she doesn't have points as much as she has black holes. But but I will say this. I like how she used this very old and one of my favorite literary tropes, which is the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. The idea that somebody hears a prophecy and in trying to avoid the prophecy, they fall right into it. This is as old as dust. You know, it's like Oedipus is basically that. It's just like, Oedipus, please. This is me just bringing my classical drama training into everything. And Oedipus goes into the whole thing of, you're going to kill your father, you're going to have sex with your mother. And Oedipus is like, that's ridiculous. I'm leaving this town so that this doesn't happen. And literally, just because he leaves the town, then he kills his father at a crossroads and then he ends up uh, marrying and his mum. You never know who you're going to meet at crossroads. You never know. That's why I avoid them. I just, I just, <laughs> I just go on a it straight line. <laughs> It might be your father. Yeah. It might be Britney Spears. So Voldemort just falls into the self-fulfilling prophecy of if he had just left it alone. Yeah. If he had not done the, if he had not been so power power hungry that he needed to kill every possible adversary that he could have had, yeah. then he would have won. He would have won. He wouldn't have lost anything. He would have conquered Europe and everything, and eventually he would have killed everyone, and just everyone would be like a non mudblood kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe it would have worked out. And then way. you know, just sex with cousins sex all with around, cousins, which is you know, which is Europe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't lie, it's also Monterrey. Be quiet. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like, that, that part I do like. But the, the whole thing with Hermione, and I, and, I, and I do agree with the whole thing, is like, why do you have a divination class when literally you say you either have the sight? Because Trelawney, um, yes, I've seen those posts too, where she's like, oh, everything comes true, you know, that this whole thing, like, you know, this very Obi-Wan Kenobi type of thing. Like, I told you the truth from a certain point of view. Fuck you. Like, you, you had... could have been specific. You had, like, three prophecies. You know, you had, like, the one where the Harry was born. The one that you told Harry on the third book. And... Because he's going to return. Yeah. Which was true. 
Which was true. All of them but, turned out to be true. But those were the like the dramatic prophecies because she has the sight because and the sight is inherited because her mom had the th- the sight. Yes. But you can't teach divination. You oh, either yeah. have the sight or you don't. I mean, you can't teach a lot of things that they teach in Harry Potter. Like seriously, it's like, do you see this very dangerous dragon? Let's hang out with it. Like, no school board would be like. I'm, I'm going to be honest. When well, Dolores Umbridge came in to yeah. book five, <laughs> of course, eventually she turned out to be this totally sadistic, uh, wonderful villain, one of the best villains. I, I think uh, even better than Voldemort. Like, yeah, she no. was, she was Dolores well, Umbridge was, she was just well written. amazing. Like, it, it showed a maturity in, in Rowling's writing. But I liked how in the beginning it was all about this school is not safe for the, for the students. And I'm like, lady, I don't like I you, to... but you have a point. This is not a safe school. No. Like, it's like, oh, you know that giant that didn't finish high school? Let's have him be in charge of kids and, you know, hang out with hippogriffs. And, yeah. Like, just no. Yeah. Anywho, so so Harry Potter, and this brings us to our our subject, which we wanted to talk about because we're doing all the supernatural thing uh, lately. So we wanted to talk about horoscopes, the tarot, and any other kind of you know future gazing exactly. thing that a lot of people believe in. So let's start with you. Do you believe in any of this? And no. I will not judge hard. No, but I play around with it. Elaborate. Elaborate. Um, I like. Uh, I like taking clues from stuff around me. Like, for example, uh, do you know the game Red Book? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, the game Red Book is basically you ask a question, you open a Red Book, and whatever you're, you land, there's something that might elucidate your question. It's not an answer per se. It's just like if you have a question, you open the... You take a Red Book. And my ex-roommate had a book, which is what the book... It's a it's a huge book. It's a book of proverbs and sayings, of quotes and proverbs. Uh, it's a dictionary of, of, of quotes and proverbs. So, like, uh, it's... For me, it, it's this way. And this is the thing. I It's the same thing. It's, I started learning the tarot a while ago. I didn't finish the class, but I, I took most of you it. You took a tarot class. I took a tarot class, yeah. And I was weaker for a while. Wouldn't it be great if you took a tarot class and then your first reading is like, you're going you're gonna to fail this class. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, well, fuck like, you, lady. Like, like, fuck you. Like, lady. but I'm good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that that would be that would be the conundrum. In your first reading, is like the cards say I'm going to fail this class. Is that a good reading or a bad reading? <laughs> Maybe I'm good, it's but since the teacher paradox. hates me, I fail the class. Okay, so let me let me change it up for you. Okay, if the cards say you're never going to be able to read the cards. But they say that. And they're <laughs> reading it in the cards. Well, it, yeah. Wow. Aristotle 1, mysticism 0. zero. <laughs> uh, so anyway, where is I? Oh, yeah. So for me, it's a, like another thing. It, it helps. Like, I've literally done this even for like um, for like comedy where, where I'm like, I have this, like a something and, and I don't know where it's going. I will grab this book or any other red book that I might be close by at the moment and be like... And I literally will just grab him like any ideas and I will just like open it and whatever comes out, I'll be like, okay, I can play with this. Which is the very idea. Like this is what, like, um, I saw this wonderful documentary and then I read a book by this guy. He's one of my heroes. His name is James Randi. 
He, it, Randy. Randy? Yes, no, but look, this guy. James, you're James so Randy. Randy. He, was, he was known as the amazing Randy because he was a magician, a stage, okay. a stage magician, an, an, an illusionist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, he became a very, very famous, probably the most famous um, debunker of the supernatural. So he, uh, inst- he, um, he established this thing called the Randy Institute, which is not nowhere near as sexy as it sounds, <laughs> or every bit as sexy, depending on how. Maybe you. he looks like a Santa Claus if Santa Claus went around saying everything is bullshit because he's this guy, um, and he came out as gay age eighty. Only oh, wow. a couple of days. Oh, a couple, a couple, a couple of years, days ago. A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, like okay. three or four years ago, he came out as gay, and it was a very like I, I just I love this guy. This guy is just brilliant, and. Um, I haven't heard about him in a while. Hope so, he's, hope he's not so the longest trick of all was him hiding in the closet. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What's hiding in the closet? It's me! <laughs> no, he was a very good magician and he was the guy who debunked the famous Israeli psychic Yuri Geller, who was this really okay. famous guy during the 70s or 80s. And he debunked him. He basically set up a test and he said, I think you're doing slight, you're using sleight of hand to make this happen, and I can prove it. And he went on the Johnny Carson show, and he debunked him on live TV. He was very, very angry. He went back to Israel, and he's still doing the psychic thing, because people, people just, will yeah, still. They keep still believing. But this I guy, mean, John Oliver has debunked several. And I mean, yes. these things have been debunked over and over and, and it over doesn't matter. And over Eventually, again. you get tired of it. But the thing is, this guy, he set up something called the Randy Challenge, which is... If you can prove you have any kind of supernatural ability under scientific conditions that he establishes, you get a million dollars. That's it. Which is, to me, the best kind of debunking tool there is. Because like, is is there a psychic that doesn't want a million dollars? Well, yeah, but the problem is the, the card said that I wouldn't be able to prove it if if money was on the line. Oh, that's, that's, (laughs) that is the reason. No, but yeah, and this thing you do with the book. Yeah. And it's, um, it's something, uh, there's, um, it's called the Barnum effect, as in P.T. Barnum, the guy no. from the circus, who whose slogan the was... The greatest showman. Yeah, and his slogan was, something for everyone. Yes. The idea is, if you read a book and you're predisposed to find something meaningful in it, you will find something meaningful in it. So, if I open any random... like That's why the Bible, for some people, is like this huge... Um, huge spiritual guide and uh, the I Ching in Eastern cultures, you know, like you pull out one of the I Ching cards with a hexagon. But do you, do you know how to do the I Ching? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. I, I learned how to do it as a, a, like, because I was very interested in, in Eastern, you know, the, the Eastern cultures uh, when I was young. I love that uh, the I Ching and other divination things, I, I love how they're used in his dark materials. Yes. In the whole... Yes, because it's putting the symbols together and making them fit to the situation. Um, And that's how it actually works. And from the I Ching, when I was into the I Ching, I began doing I Ching readings for my friends. And they were, like, flabbergasted at how good I I was at the I Ching. And they said, like, this is some, like, wizard bullshit thing you're doing. Like, this is insane. How could you... Burn him. And the thing is, I wasn't really doing any of the work. It was just like... I pulled out a card, and the I Ching, the very, like, the, the, the books I read on I Ching, they were very open about this. They weren't even saying, like, this will tell you the future. Not necessarily. It was more like a, you can find clarity, you can find meaning, and so on. So you would pull out a card, like, if someone would tell me something, like, am I going to break up with my boyfriend? And I would pull out a card that said, clouds, yes. clouds over mountains. Okay. Clouds over mountains. And it would say, and it, it was obviously in this very beautiful cryptic kind of language. So it would be something like, um, 
uh, the possibility of fertility, but also sunlight is being blocked, but blah, blah, blah. And I would read this and I would say, so there could be something good happening for you in the future, but you're kind of afraid of something good coming towards you. And it's very vague, but if someone is predisposed to think this is true, they're going to go like, oh, how did you know And then at this? some point, at some point you're like, I want to break up with this guy. That's just give point. me a car, just give me a car that says yes. Yeah, just give me the breakup. Exactly. Just, just the, but, like, and the thing is, when you do it, no matter which car comes out, the lovers. Yes, I hate. It's true. I hate him. What? Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing for I me. I like the tower because it's very literal. It's like death. Yeah, but death, <laughs> but death doesn't mean death. Death means change. What? The tower means death. What? Yes, you didn't know this. I've, I've heard that the tower is the, the, the evil one. Like, yeah. I, I, someone told me that... The tower is the bad one. Because yeah. usually, the tower is usually like you've seen from the, from below, and it's someone like falling out of the tower, and there's fire in the tower. So the tower means bad things are coming. Death doesn't mean death. Death means change. Well, it does. I mean, I to, mean be, to be... To be accurate. Exactly. <laughs> it is change. Um, one of my favorite uh, film scenes in all of the movies I've ever seen... There's this movie I like a lot, which is called Cleo from 9 to 5. It's a French movie. Uh, it's oldish. It's, I think it's Agnes Varda, the director. And she follows this uh, singer, actress, um, in her in one day from 5 p.m. to 7... From 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, and she... It starts with her going to a tarot reading. And it's just the hands of the tarot reader, with, of the whoever is reading, and her hands. And it's just the cards. And that's the only scene in the movie that it's in color. And the death card appears. And she explains, like, death is changed, blah, 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 blah. But then the whole story, the whole day, uh, Cleo, uh, she's afraid she might have uh, cancer. Um, so it's like a... It, 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 it has a really nice song and everything. Like, if you haven't seen it, it's in it, I recommend it a lot. Cleo from 9 to 5. Yes. I it's will a, see It's a really nice uh, movie. Uh, but I like that only the tarot reading was in color. Uh, and then you go to black and white, the, the rest of the movie. Because it was kind of this thing where, where, um, where in this, like, exchange where it's, like, very vague. And, of course, she's going there because she's afraid and she wants a specific kind of answer, a.k.a. no. Um... And, but that's, that's the point of the movie. And this is just me, like, going crazy with symbolism. And this is, I haven't read anywhere. Well, isn't that the whole point, though? Going yeah. crazy with symbolism. Yeah. Which is what I find so remarkable about the tarot and the iching. Or, you know, some people do the, the tea, the tea leaves and yeah. the, so, so on. And a lot of people put a lot of stock in this. And I see why. Like, yeah. the power of symbols and the power of interpreting symbols and just looking for guidance. I get that. So far, so good. When I start having a bit of a knot in my panties about a it. A bit? A, a large knot in my panties. Ooh, Randy. Is, <laughs> you said what? Um, is when people start, like, spending a lot of money. Spending a lot of money because I, I, like, when I was reading the I Ching, I thought I could be making a killing with this. Totally. Like, I'm, I'm, because I'm a linguist. I'm good with words. I'm good with cold reading. You're good at I'm reading like, people. Reading people because I'm, because I'm empathetic. It's, yes. it's, it's not, it's nothing like, wow, out of the ordinary, unless you're a sociopath. You could, tell, like, there's people that charge, like, up in the thousands of, like, yes. on this. Because they're like, they're, you, they're what in the world, in that world is known as good. With massive air quotes around them. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I, it's not even, it doesn't even have to go that far. 
the thing is, for example, for a while in my Twitter account, when my at was uh, Martigro, uh, I did horoscopes, which were supposed to be funny horoscopes a la The Onion. Uh, by the way, massive props to whoever writes horoscopes for The Onion, because it's really, really hard to take 12, just bring, just come up with 12 funny things on a good day, and he has to do it daily. Yeah. Or she. She. Because, um, uh, anyway. Um, and I did it, and it was just, it was, it was, it was, it was supposed to be funny. It was like one of them was like Maria is Maria is after you, so like watch out. It was just it was supposed to be funny, and it was supposed to be obviously fake. And, and still, and still, people were like, "You were always on point," and I'm like, "I on point with what?" No, because they're filling in the blanks. It's all you have to yeah, do. Yeah, true. Like I've seen so many videos of people who like like um. The ones that I hate the most. Um, let's start with the ones that I hate the most and then move to the ones that I think like, oh, it's funny. Um, the ones who, how do you call them? I forgot the word. The people who talked to, mediums. Medium. Mediums, I think, could get fucked in the ass with a baseball bat with nails on it. Because mediums will go like, I'm getting something. You lost someone. I did. A female. Yes. Who loved you very, very yes. much. Yes. It's a name that has an A in it. Like yes. Ends with an A, maybe? Is all of this. No. Okay, so then I'm not no. a very good... But these are people who are very good at reading people. The, my problem with that is that they're basically shitting on the memories we have of the dead. Yes. And that's literally all we have of them. Like, <laughs> literally all you get from the dead is the memories that you had with them. Not so if you have a good shovel. Not if you... <laughs> Think you were going to be that scandalized at grave no, robbing? It's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, like that could be something like make new memories today. Just like, <laughs> do you find you didn't have closure? I don't know why I'm doing an Irish accent, but do you find that you didn't have closure with your dearly departed? Find yourself a nice sturdy shovel and just like, just get to work. Just get to work. No, but yeah, the thing is, like, you know, I've had people that say like, oh. The dead are talking to me. And, and sometimes they will do it without any pay. They'll, they'll just like the attention. And I've run into a couple of people who I got really pissed at because they'll go like, you know, your grandmother is very proud of you. And she's blah, 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 and so on. And I'm like, my grandmother never said that she was proud of me. She was not that kind of person. She was a good person in her own way, but like... Stop talking. Stop yeah. talking about my dead. Like, they're my dead. Like, I've, I've, got, I've literally just put up an, an ofrenda for them, and that's as far as I'll go. Yeah. With, and that's a memory. An ofrenda is a memory, not like a... Yeah, no, but especially, it's so awful how people are willing to play with that. I've never had that, but, like, for example, my, my grandfather, who I'm, who I'm named after, my, my mom's uh, father, um, he was the first grandfather, grandparent that I lost. And... And, like, when he died, I was in the midst of being Wicca and the midst of realizing I was gay. So, for me, something um, that I'm really, like... Because I never had any had it from him, and I'm really afraid to ask my mom, to be honest, like, what he thought about gay people. Right. Um, so, uh, like, if someone were to tell me that, someone were like would be, like, take my grandfather's voice... Grandfather, sorry, my grandfather's voice 
and be oh he would be so proud of you like for me like yeah it's this thing that I want to I want to hear but what you're doing is literally um you're you're manipulating me into into you're giving me something that I want and that's fantastic but also fuck you like who the like you like if if my mom were to tell me this she knew like she was her, she was his daughter she knew like I would take that from her from her because it wasn't like I heard your grandfather there's like an evil a goose duck. somewhere <laughs> I don't mind this this is the ghost duck <laughs> you know how, why should only people have enough exactly like, we just, is, we just leave you, crumbs on the floor for it that's another question it's like why are you never running into a ghost duck <laughs> just like just quacking at the night. Just like, is this house because haunted? Ducks. Just by farmyard animals. <laughs> it's just, just the occasional chicken, a duck, exactly. you know, a pheasant. If you're exactly. British, it's just so many pheasants have died at this house. There's a lot of cockroaches in the kitchen too, but those are alive. Don't worry. Can you imagine if all the mosquitoes you've killed haunted you? So now you can't kill you, but you can hear them. Oh my god, that would be the worst. <laughs> right? It's like that would be the worst. Jokes on you, fucker. <laughs> Because <laughs> you would have like your hands like covering your ears, and <laughs> you would still hear work. them. That is hell. No, but then you'd stop. have to kill a lot of spiders, so you have a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of ghost spiders just hanging. And ghost spider webs everywhere, <laughs> oh and God. that creates another problem. I'm gonna write this down. I think yeah. this could be a joke. I you know that? You know that? That uh, the children rhyme like I know an old lady who swallowed a fly. No. I, I love this. Uh, it was an old rhyme. It was a, it's a nurture rhyme. So it's like it starts with, I know an old lady who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. I guess she'll die. So then she's like, she's, she swallowed, I know a lady who swallowed a spider that something, something, something tickled inside her. She swallowed the spider to catch the fly. I don't know why she swallowed the fly. I guess she'll die. So it goes like on and on. So there's like, so to eat the spider, she eats a bird. And to eat the bird, she eats a it's cat. It's kind of like the house of jackpots. You know, exactly. it's like, this is a thing that gave yeah. the thing that gave the thing that, yeah. So at the end, she swallows a, ho- a horse. And so the song... We've all been there, lady. <laughs> lady, we've all been there. It can snowball into that so easily. Snowballing. It's, That's it's a good a, word to put right there. It's a slippery slope. She just start with a fly and then it's like, why am I giving this horse a blowjob? Like, <laughs> where did my life go so wrong and yet so right? <laughs> anyway. here all week. Ghosts. <laughs> Astrology. Let's go back Astro- to astrology. astrology. What's your sign? I am a Virgo. You are a Virgo. As a matter of fact, I am extremely Virgo, as it turns out, because of, <laughs> of a friend of mine. She did my birth chart. You know, oh, the whole good. line. It looks very, very, very It's impressive. very nice. You know, that's the thing I love about these things. Like, they, they do this thing where you see her and you're like, this has to mean something. There's right? so many lines. There's lines and numbers. There's so many symbols. I went to school. Lines it's and numbers, a... they mean something. Like, exactly. tri- it's trigonometry at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. So she drew my chart. And she asked for my date of birth, a uh, time of birth, blah blah whatever. And it turns out, and this I learned, I learned that back then I was about twenty when this happened. And I learned that actually you have three star signs, not one. So you have your birth sign, your sun sign. No, that's your, your sun sign, or the rising like, something rising. The, the original, like the one you, like the one you read your horoscope with usually. Is that's your sun, sun sign. Okay. Then you have your rising sign. Which is where the sun rose, uh, when you, when you were born. And then you have your moon sign. And technically you also have each of the other 12, uh. Planets. Yeah. There's no one, 12 planets. But who am I to argue with people who believe yeah. in astrology? They're in, in one of the houses. Like what did they do when Pluto was demoted? 
Nothing. I can imagine just like the astrologers going, oh, fuck this! Just like throwing all the, throwing no, all, they did, they, all the charts. Like, oh, but I've been yeah, exactly. it, it, Also, like a few years ago, they, they, they had the whole thing with uh, the star has shifted and the new sign of Phaecus. And most astrologers were like, this is fake anyway. Like, it's cool. So as it turns out, they drew my chart and I am Virgo in those three places. Really? I have a sun in Virgo. I'm Virgo rising or rising Virgo, whatever it is. Yeah, Virgo rising. And, and, crouch, and, and crouching tiger. And Virgo and in moon. Dragon. And moon in Virgo. Moon, moon in Virgo. Everything okay. in Virgo. And she was like... <gasps> you know what? Uh, Virgo and Gemini, which is my sign, yeah. are the... We do share a, a ruling planet, Mercury. Uh, Which means we're mercurial. We yes, can. we are mercurial. Yes, of course. And also, like, I, really I, not. I have a sun in Gemini, but my moon and my rising are both in Virgo. And technically, Virgo and Gemini don't get along because Gemini is air and Virgo is earth. And how did they decide that? Like, what, what, what? Like these flying twins that why are they air? It's just like because I know Aquarius is also of, air. Yeah. And it's like, why is it like Pisces water? That's water. But like the thing is like when when they explained the elements to me is like, okay, so the three waters have to be cancer. Yeah. Because it's a crab, water. Yeah. Aquarius, because literally water, and then uh Pisces, which yeah. is water, and then you have the three waters. And then But those the, are not the three the waters. The three land crawling animals I thought would be Earth, you know, so no. Aries, Taurus, and Scorpio would no. be Earth. Yeah. And then Fire would be the humans. So they would, they would be, to my mind, Gemini, Virgo, and um, Sagittarius, which are humanoid okay. in nature. And then the other, what's the other element? Earth. Uh, Earth would be the no, random... No, went Earth. Um, air. Air would be the random objects. So like Libra. Yes. Which is like, what are you? A bull. Scales. What are you? I am an instrument to measure the relative weight of solid objects. <laughs> nothing more. <laughs> Literally nothing more. Just relative. And Libra mass. is air. Libra is air. Libra along with Gemini. Don't you hate it when it starts raining scales? It's just like, <laughs> just like oh, those fucking scales again. I know. If anything is going to make me write hallelujah, is it's raining scales. It's raining scales. Hallelujah. Every spice merchant just goes, Yes! Okay, yes. Give them to me. Give them all to me. Yeah, so apparently I'm a triple Virgo and she was like and I was like, What does that mean? Like, does that mean anything? And she and she just said, It just means you're extremely Virgo. I was like, okay, so basically Nothing. it's like if I serve you a meal and it's all potato, it just means I really like potatoes. Like it's just well done. Well done, astrologist. Uh astrologer, sorry. Um and then she was like, No, but it means that you're very, 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 very shy. Uh, which is true, but I'm also a stand-up comedian, so it's like... Yeah, but so, so many shy people are stand-up comedians, and I, I've noticed this, that it's a... I don't know if you can be shy and be a stand-up comedian. But the thing is, it's weird, because like when you're on stage, you have command of the room. <laughs> I do like commanding things. So as a shy person, that's the one of the best places to be, because usually shyness, I I think, comes from the fact that you are you're nervous about the fact that you don't know what's going to happen. Like who, like who's going to answer, who's right. going to be. And as a stand-up comedian, it's great because like usually you don't have to worry. It's like you just go on stage, do your shit and walk out, walk out. Uh, it's when you have to start worrying about who, like press is coming and hecklers. Hecklers. That's when things get, uh, uh, complicated. But 
Um, well, she was very impressed. She was like, you're the first triple Virgo I've ever seen. I was oh, like, wow. well, I'm just triple the virgin you are. <laughs> maybe if you saw, Hymen after hymen after hymen. Maybe if you didn't dress so provocatively, you could be a triple virgin as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to judge, but maybe if you were more careful about whose well, gaze you're drawing, you know, this is me being a triple virgin. The the person who drew my uh, astral uh, chart, when she saw that I was a <coughs> moon on Virgo and... Virgo rising. Virgo rising yeah. and sun in Gemini. She was like, you are a very contradictive individual. Uh, oh, wow. That's... Pretty much human nature I know. in a nutshell. But what she did say, and I must admit that at the time I was very much open because she was like, she was like someone that was really good at reading horoscopes in a way that made them sound uh, true. Uh, what she said about uh, being um, this that I am was you want something and you really, really, really want that something, but you have no idea what that something is. And at that moment, it just made a lot of sense in my brain. Like, yeah, I feel like that sometimes. But the thing is, when they tell you this shit, like, no matter what they say, you're like, yeah, I feel like that sometimes. Unless they of don't. course. Unless they, they go with something really specific. Now, here's something funny. You're going to love this. Uh, this person who read my uh, chart was the mother of my first serious girlfriend, whom I loved very, very much. Um, she, I, I, I haven't seen her in a while, but I, like, I've always been a friend of the family. Like, I remained a friend of the family. Um... And she read the chart and was like, oh, I go everywhere. Oh, Jesus Christ. And so on. And, um, <laughs> and she said something like, you're, uh, you know, you're a very fragile kind of, you're very in touch with your femininity, mm-hmm. but you're not a gay man. And she said it like just categorically, you're not a gay man, obviously, because I was dating her daughter. Like, you don't want to tell that, want to tell that. So there's, there's two options. Either she saw it in the chart, I'm going to guess no, um, or she didn't, and she was like, oh, fuck. Like, that's why astrologers never really give you the thing. Like, it's just like, all they do, and they just, like, hope they're right. You know, it's, and it's something, like, I want to do, I want to do an experiment once. Like, I want to visit an astrologer dressed as three different people. Like, for example, if I wear my, like, a hippie kind of, like, philosophy student kind of getup, and mm-hmm. then a very sharp suit and a very good haircut and very clean shave, and then, like, something else, you know, maybe a fake uh, belly and be- pretending to be a parent, and just go to the to different astrologers, because I'm pretty sure they're just reading the person. They're just going, like... Totally, you know, totally, totally. If I show up with but a very if, nice Armani suit... But the thing is, these they're people... Go, You're very career-driven, aren't you? It's like, yes, yes, I am. The thing is, these people, they're also good at, you know, at realizing when they're, when this is happening. Yeah. When people are disbelieving and they're coming along with a disbelieving attitude, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, you're... It's not going to work for you. Exactly, stuff like that. Same with ghosts. Um, same, 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 same. Uh, for me, like, I I will read... This is, this is true of me, I admit it. Uh, it's not the worst thing I, I do on a day-to-day basis. And I don't do it on a day-to-day basis, but... I do. I do have a, a set of Clo cards from Sakura Card Capture. I love. I love Sakura Card Capture. Yeah, and I invented a way to read the cards for myself. Like I actually invented it for for a couple of other friends who were like in my house and were like, "Ah, oh, I'm gonna read the Clo cards for you," which was just like me taking a piss. But then what I did. What was the it. thing that she said when she captured a card? Uh, Return to... to the humble form you deserve. I, I I've said that to people. 
And have they? Never no, come back to uh, the humble form. I, I think it should be. I think it should be a war cry after someone steps off an open mic and they've done poorly. It's like now return to the humble form you deserve. Like it's just you. You failed at this. Now return to your humble form. Go back to writing, you stupid you, idiot. Uh, yeah, basically. Um, and they don't. And they don't. They <laughs> So you invented a way of reading the cloak cards. Yeah, and I'm, by, by inventing, I mean I choose five cards and I set them in a pyramid, and I decided that this card and this card like have meanings that relate to each other. You should have set them in a star because that's Sakura's symbol, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a star, a five point. I it, it it was three a.m. We're coming back from Cirque du Soleil. I wasn't thinking too much. Like about you it. do, you're returning Cirque du Soleil. Let's do some divination. Exactly, it's just like. And so, has anything ever come true? Like, have you ever, have you ever had this thing? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to lie. Rationally, that, that's why I understand people who believe in this. I think it's fake. I think it's bullshit. But as long as it's not harming anyone, as same as with alternative medicine, like as not as, as long as you're not saying no to chemo, yeah, to go get some flowers, like put under your ears or whatever the fuck it is, um, it's fine. But I like sometimes when I was reading the I Ching, I was like. This could be true. Like this could some some of this makes sense. Did it ever happen to you? Like, did it happen, like I mean, again, what I do, and these are readings I do for myself. It's like I will choose the five cards, and I will like have something in my mind. And the thing is, I don't believe it. It ever tells me the future or tells me what's going to happen. But it does, you know, like with the symbols that I have in front. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you're doing improv and you throw yourself on the floor. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's when you're doing improv. Dislocate half of your body. Like when you when you're doing improv and you get to start a scene is harder because you have like everything's. It can be everything. It can be anything. You know you can do. But when someone comes on on stage on improv and starts doing like a mom character, you can like latch onto that and be like, okay, it's a mom character and she's cooking. I can be the bratty teenager. Yes. So. Like the same is the same thing with these symbols. You're, like uh, joining the points, was it the like, dots? The dots, yeah. yeah, joining the dots. Exactly. Yeah. So, for example, if I'm if I'm asking about, uh, I don't know, if I'm if I'm gonna have, because it's it, it, I'm, I'm facing it wrong because I'm usually it's usually not something about something that's gonna happen, but like if I have been feeling down and I don't and I don't quite understand where my depression comes from at that point. I would like draw five cards and usually I can see in those symbols something that a narrative that I can sort of make sense of. And then out of that, I can talk to people and be like, okay, you know, I feel I, I've been feeling kind of this, blah, blah, blah. But it's not about me finding the truth in the cards. I think that's kind of, I mean, if I were to be doing that, I think I would be going crazy. Or I'm already, I already am, maybe. Maybe you are. Yeah. <coughs> I'm looking at pictures of the cloak cards. Mm-hmm. I like, I remember this from the anime, but I'll still, I, I never read the, um, the manga. But some of them are very random. Some of them are very cool. Like, yeah. you get, like, for example, here's the, like, there's one called The Create. Yeah. Which is, like... Which was the last card. Is it? Okay. It's a book. Yeah. There's a book. No, I'm sorry. The last card was love, if I'm not mistaken. Of course. Um, no, I mean, the thing there's is... The it, thing, it, but then there's some, some weird-ass shit. Like, for example, uh, let's have the it. nameless card. Or the big. There's the big, <laughs> the, big. the small, yeah. the, the, the shot. There's a lot of... There's the float. 
the fly and the jump. There's the sword, the shield. There's the maze, the illusion, the silence, the darkness, the time. Here's the thing. Like, these are all ideas. And, you know, you also see, like, latch on to the image. And you can sort of play with that. And that's kind of the thing for me. Also, when I played this thing with the red book, it's like... You will be like, cause in the, in the whole of the red book is you ask a question and there's then. There's one called the bubbles. The bubbles, yeah. <laughs> Go on, yeah. And there's the candy too, or the sweet, I forget. Uh, there are all the elements. Well, all the elements being the, the four elements, not like the nitrogen, the helium, the uranium, just, uh, those. Uh, here's the thing. So what, what I was saying with the red book, um, like you ask a question, like the, and yeah, you can be like, Am I going to get married someday? Cool. But like, if you're just come to the book and you're like something in your mind, like, cause like, I will literally do this. Like I've been thinking about a joke about, uh, cats and I'm stuck with ideas and I will literally be like any ideas and I will open the book. And then like <laughs> the, the quote that, uh, opens will be, um, I don't know, uh, Oscar Wilde, uh, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. And then I'll be like, so it, of course. Then I have something to play. It's like, okay, I have cats and this idea of being yourself. And I can play with those concepts. Uh, but I don't think that it's the book writing for me or it's like, this is destiny. No, you're say. just basically putting yourself in a situation where, where the subjectivity mm-hmm. of the symbols or words, which are just a, a very fancy and sophisticated symbol, um, you know, where they mean something to you. So it's very easy if you're open to the subjectivity of it to find meaning in everything. Yes. We are kind of designed to that. Like there's this effect where you find faces in things and that's yeah. why people find Jesus in, in toast and stuff like that. You know, it's just, if you're predisposed to it, it works. And the funny thing is it's, it can actually be used as a therapeutic tool. Like uh, my therapist has given me exercises that are essentially that obviously you're made very conscious of the fact that no, this is not supernatural. This is you trying to find meaning in things. But when he says, for example, like, um, yeah, I have a journal. Like when, when you do cognitive therapy, journals are a very big thing. So I have a journal and, um, several actually. Um, and this, you know, uh, sometimes an exercise will be find a random website or a random page in a book or a random movie on Netflix and something and just Skip forward and watch uh, a non-contextualized thing. It has to be non-contextualized and make it fit into your life yeah. somehow. And that's the exercise. So it's like, I'll, I don't know, I'll put on something I've never seen, like Pretty Little Liars or whatever the fuck it is. And then I'll skip ahead to a scene and it'll be somebody talking about what a, I don't know, what how terrible that dinner was with this person something. And then I go, okay, do I remember a dinner where I had a, a bad time or maybe someone that I talk about like in this sense or something? And then it starts making sense for you. And it does give you clarity of something like decontextualization in the sense that let's think about something else. Because when you're doing cognitive therapy, it's a lot about like, you think about yourself, but sometimes like, let's put distance between you and the situation and think about something else and compartmentalize everything, whatever. And I, I, I see the power of it. And it, it's kind of scary just how easy it is. It, it would be, and it is, to take advantage of this, to manipulate people. I think money is only the start of it. Because in the end, like, I don't know, if, if, you, mean... if you find it entertaining, if you find a tarot reading entertaining, you spend 500 pesos, fine. Like, if I go out for cocktails, 
I find cocktails entertaining. I'll spend, <laughs> I'll spend 500 And after you drink it, you can see the future. You see clarity. <laughs> you see, I, I read, I'm an expert reading the olives in a martini glass. That's, that's what I do. Uh, no, but like, I'll, I'll spend that money and I'll have fun with it. But then when it comes to the thing of how people can actually be controlled by this, yeah. and that's how, I mean, that's how I feel cults can start. Like if people are vulnerable, if people are looking for meaning and they're desperately looking for meaning and you suddenly lay out these cards in front of them and tell them there is a way of knowing things that are out of your control. Like who doesn't, who the fuck doesn't want that? Like, so it scares, yeah, me. Totally. It scares me a little bit. I'm not, I'm, I'm no, gonna totally. Lie. And I, there's a tendency, like for example, in Mrs. Maisel, uh, her mom goes to the, to the, uh, with the, to two different seers. I remember, seers, I remember exactly. the contrast. I, I love that scene of how the first seer is this very classical, like, pudgy kind of turban-wearing yeah. woman. And she's like, ooh. And the second one's like, yes, I can read cards. Yes. yes, this is what I do. And yeah, give me money. And I like... And, for example, and they're usually portrayed in like this very like jokey <laughs> manner. That, and, and when it's very obvious that she's telling her what she wants to hear just to get paid and whatever. But the, what you're saying is true. It's like there are a lot of people that know perfectly that they have... They command a certain power. And that they can make people even addicted to this idea of you're going to come and even and no matter how many times I tell you things are going to get better and things don't get better you're going to come back to me <laughs> because the dopamine rush of being told things yes. are going to get better is more valuable to you than making things better so yeah it is it is a scary it is it's a scary, scary subject it's just like you can use it for evil as much as you can use it for good the other day I was thinking this is Kind of like one of these shower thoughts that I don't really do marijuana anymore because last time I did it, I had the worst anxiety attack I've had in a long time. So I was like, some people say marijuana is great for anxiety. Not for me. For some of them. I'm some of them, like, yeah. Fine, but not for me. <coughs> um, my psychiatrist said I, I should start considering microdosing marijuana throughout the day okay. as, a, as an alternative. And I said, fuck off. I'm fine with my antidepressants and my things. Just fine. But anyway... Um, and I thought when I was, it was a shower thought when I, I wasn't actually in the shower, but I was thinking stand up <laughs> comedy, stand up comedy is pretty much mind control using words because you're standing in front of people, most of whom you've never met and you're making them react in a very primal way, just with your words without any control. Like, you're telling them this story and you're bending their reaction to what you want. Especially good comedy. Good comedy yeah. is doing that. You know, it's like, now I want you to reflect. Now I'm planting this idea in the audience and I'm going to mind this idea back when I do a callback joke or I'm going to do a call forward or I'm going to do a rule of three where people are preparing themselves for the surprise but I haven't given it to them yet and the setup and the punchline and all the little techniques and, and um, you know, the, the structural elements of comedy. And I was like, that is pretty much mind control being used for good. Like it's because you're, yes, you're yes. controlling people. Like it's, yes, it's I don't. That's, a, that's <coughs> the thing. I don't feel comedy is. I think the power of making people laugh is neutral. Uh, I don't think it's good or bad. I, I mean, laughter in itself should be good. But the, here's the thing: with when you make someone laugh, you make them more willing to accept what you're telling them. And this is my thing <coughs> against jokes that are discriminatory, because you know we we like to think. You know, like, oh, comedy is always good, whatever. But the truth is, like, every single, like, every single discriminatory idea, be it homophobia, 
anti-Semitism or whatever, you know, it, it can be joked about and it's quote-unquote uh, harmless. So it can be disguised as harmless. Exactly. You're actually exactly. using it for evil. Which you think is- comedy can be used for evil as well. Yes. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you have a point. Maybe it's just me projecting myself. Like, I want a comedy that makes people no, think. No, me too, people... me too. I, yeah. but, but, but that's all things that people <coughs> say, like, jokes, like, it doesn't... And it's not that I believe that one homophobic joke is going to make people go out and kill gay people. That's not it. And I also don't want people to stop joking about everything. Because, especially, for example, uh, Cameron Esposito has uh, her special on her website called Rape Jokes. And where she says, like, I'm going to do uh, a whole thing about rape jokes, but from a different perspective. Um, and so, so I think every subject should be on the table. And then people would say, like, okay, this was a good way to handle a topic or a bad way or a harmful way, whatever. Um, yeah, we, know you, we know you're not as much of a... Um, how could we call it? Like a political... Co- no, you're not, you're not as much a, a political correctness zealot as some people might be inclined to believe. Yes. Um, I do think, but, but I think you're right. Like even a joke, like even a joke that is, you know, a joke about rape can be a good joke and can be used for good or just for fun, neutral. And it can also be used to normalize yeah. horrible things. And, you know, it's, it's a very, very thin line actually, but it is a It is, it is. And I, there's this line from Seinfeld who he said a lot... And I repeat it a lot. I like it a lot. It's um, the job of a comedian is to say something ridiculous and then explain why it's true. And the thing is, you can say a lot of things that are ridiculous and then explain why they're true through comedy and make people agree with you uh, without them realizing what they're agreeing to. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's another thing. That's another thing. Like, whether in comedy or in your seance or whatever. Like, one good thing that I got from um, several friends who like seances for fun and whatever... Uh, and go to the cards, whatever. It's like, okay, they go and they tell you shit. And maybe some things make sense. And that's where you have this thing where like, well, what this person is, is saying made a lot of sense. Yes. So you have to sort of like take a step back and be like, okay, but why did it make sense? And how else do the symbols that were put in front of me match to create a narrative that I'm comfortable with? Because, exactly. you know, like when you want to have, when you want to, when you go to whatever medium or whatever, you know, like divination tool you're going to, and you want to hear uh, things are going to get better, most, more than likely, you're going to be able to read that <coughs> in whatever you're reading. Uh, so uh, just to finish, because we've been doing this for a while now. So tell me, how would you devise a divination method with Pokemon? okay um i think actually it wouldn't be so difficult especially if you know the pokemon well like there's 800 of them no no for me there's 150 and then there's oh we're going classic i'm i'm I'm, yeah 151 yeah because i saw the anime like i've played actually i've played um pokemon like the first pokemon game it wasn't even one of the classics it was like i think it was generation three like um emerald yeah um, but the first anime I saw when I was growing up, when I was like seven or eight, it was the first, the original one. So you, there was the pokey rap and the pokey whatever, and it was like, oh, the Pokemon, whatever. Uh, so I know the 150, but you could devise a divination. So first you would divide them by type. Okay. So 
each type would have a particular inclination. So basically, fire Pokemon would be something unpredictable, potentially destructive, but also potentially life-giving. Okay. And then water Pokemon, it can be life-giving, uh, but it can freeze, but it can be like um, mercurial, because I, I, that's the word of the day. I love that word. Mercurial. Uh, and then grass and ghost and so on. You would have to assign like a set of values to each type. But then you would also have to look at double-type Pokemon, so is it, <clears throat> for example, grass poison or poison grass? Like, which one goes first and which one goes second? Poison, for example. You would also, if I wanted to devise a divination method with Pokemon, you have to have something positive and something negative about everything. Good. So poison would be negative because poison, it can kill you. But also, a lot of vaccines and medicines come from poison. So poison can also mean healing, depending on how the card is blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> then dragon, and then whatever, and then fairy, and steel, and so on. Um, although I don't think those types existed. Originally. Yeah, no, I think uh, no fairy did exist because I think I think Chansey was fairy. Doesn't matter. The point is, and then you would go with: Is the Pokemon at its first stage of evolution? Is it at its second stage? Is it at its final stage? Is it a non-evolution Pokemon like Snorlax, for example? So he doesn't evolve. So what does that mean? With the, for example, I would say the stability has to do with what level it is. So Ooh. if you have, for example, let's say you draw Charmander. He is a pure fire Pokemon. Yes. He is at its first stage of evolution. So it would be something along the lines of, um, you know, I draw Charmander and I go, okay. Okay. There is, uh, Charmander represents the potential of destruction, but also the warmth of a friend. Oh. You can, uh, it is still, there's still a lot of growing to do in this thing. So there's a relationship or there is a, a, where you see a lot of potential, but you wish the flame was bigger and it's not as big as it, as you wish it were. You're good at this. I know. No, 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 I, I seriously think, I seriously think I could, and this is going to sound you so should. weird, but I could be a cult leader. Like I, I genuinely think if I play my, if I played my cards right, <laughs> I would be a cult leader and I could make a killing. And if then I, played my I would go, rights. I would t uh, show you the evolutions as like, this is how it could go, mm. depending on what happens. So Charizard is half fire, half flying. So you could eventually fly. But the question is, do you want to sacrifice the warmth of this friend for the strength of this thing. So this could represent, for example, your career. Maybe you're at a point where you like things. It's comfortable. It's something you can cuddle, cuddle up to. But if you sacrifice this innocence, you could become a very violent something. Think about very ambitious, very powerful, very strong. Flying, which obviously means having no limits, being able to reach whatever heights you want. But also flying means the risk of falling. So you have, if you evolve this uh, thing, then you have the risk of, you know, taking, uh, as you take greater risks, you're going to start losing your footing and then it could end up badly for you. And I would go on and on and on with the You're good at this. I know. You're good at I this. know. I, I, it's it's a it's a hidden talent. Anywho, if, uh, if you're looking for a Pokemon reading, it's yes. only five hundred squillion dollars. <laughs> uh, you, we should take you to New York and charge five hundred dollars per. You should take Pokemon me to Comic -Con. reading. I'm pretty oh my sure. God. I'm pretty. We sure should have a, like a little a, a little a stand on Comic Con, and you do the Pokemon reading, and I do the the Clove card reading, and we pretend. I don't know something anywho so thank you so much for listening that was we have to recommend some yes so what do you recommend today? i am recommending this week uh do you know markiplier 
No, I don't. Markiplier is one of the more popular YouTubers. He's a let's play. He does let's plays. Uh, his voice is like melted caramel. He's amazing, but he bad for your teeth. Yes, uh, he released uh, just last week. When you're listening to this, uh, a thing called a heist with Markiplier. He had already done a date with Markiplier, which is this thing where you like, it's a YouTube game where you like have several choices. And it's like, uh, but now it's a heist with Markiplier. It's a thing you can play. It has 31 different endings. It is produced, uh, really well. It's really funny. A lot of YouTubers. A lot of other YouTubers that I like, like Is it on a streaming Matt platform? Is it on it's YouTube? on YouTube. It's okay. on YouTube. Just look for a heist with Markiplier. Okay. Uh, it's a YouTube original. It was produced by Rooster Teeth, which is also uh, a good uh, YouTube studio. Uh, Rosanna Pancino is in it, uh, amazingly. Uh, I you can you can like go through all the endings. Like I went through all of them in like an Is it hour like and a half. That episode of Black Mirror, which was wonderful. Yeah, what was it Bandersnatch? Uh, Bandersnatch. So good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, but without the horror, like <coughs> it's just a lot of fun. It's okay. just a lot of fun. It has like a little musical number. Uh, Markiplier plays, I think, five different characters. Uh, and again, there's other YouTubers that are really fun and. Uh, I if you if you don't know Markiplier, uh, I also recommend you watch uh, his Five Nights at Freddy's uh, playthroughs because it's I hate horror games, but him uh, screaming while watching a horror game horror games give, give me massive anxiety. Yeah, but it's, it, it's so much you better to you like feel, watch you him feel contained. Exactly. The That's thing nice. is, I want to know what the horror games are about, but, but I don't want to play them. Exactly. I really don't want to play so them. I'm recommending Markiplier, uh, the whole channel, but also the new thing, A Heist with Markiplier. Okay. It's, it's really fun. So Good. what are you recommending? I have finally finished season three of Big Mouth. Ooh, did you like it? I am going to make a sweeping statement. Okay. I'm saying Big Mouth is the best, tight, the most tightly written most touching, most well-rounded, and most transgressive comedy show, comedy TV, anything that I've seen in years. Yes. It's at the same time touching, uh, heart-wrenching, hilariously funny, hysterical. The characters are so endearing. Every character becomes endearing. At the end of season three, all these characters, even like, there was this time, like, I'm, I'm just going to mention three of my favorite moments. There was a time where fo- uh, an episode focused on them going to Florida. And you see the parents of Andrew, who've, yeah. who've always had this relationship of this marriage is going to fall apart. At any moment. And then <clears throat> it's revealed that when Andrew is not looking, they're actually very sweet to each other. And they're actually very nice to each other. And they actually have sex in Andrew's bedroom. Yes. This is a thing that they do. Um, but they're actually, they work. Somehow it works. They've just been married for a long time and their personalities sometimes are not the best mix. But they're also very sweet to each other. So it's, I loved how this was a reveal. It was a very small reveal. It was like a blink and you miss it. Kind of like, it's not a big thing in the season. But because of the joke, the joke with these two characters was, was that they, <clears throat> sorry, they're the contrast, uh, again, they're the counterpoint to the, um, to the to beautiful Nick's, marriage that yeah. Nick's parents have, that they're very affectionate to each other and very, they're always talking about their feelings and they're always like, you know, and the father, Nick's father is very secure and uh, Andrew's father is very insecure and very like toxically so even, but it mm. turns out he's very, they, they love each other. 
And it was a very nice twist that I found. Then there's the um, the musical episode. There's a musical episode where they do a musical of um, Disclosure. Oh, yeah. That awful movie uh, with um, Demi Moore, was it? Demi, yeah, Demi Moore, Moore and Michael Douglas in the 90s. And, uh, you know, it's it touches upon uh, the Me Too movement in such a really sneaky kind of way. Like, you don't see it coming, or maybe you did. But I, <clears throat> I didn't see it coming that much until the reveal of this guy is abusing... Uh, this and, girl. and the whole thing of the girl uh, not, you know, this <clears throat> it was done very well. That she day. doesn't realize that she's yeah. being abused and that she's being manipulated. And then the characters are all on her side, like yeah. irrevoc- irrevocably. Yes. There is not not a single character that we care of that we care about yeah. that goes. <clears throat> maybe she's not telling the truth. Maybe everyone is like, this is wrong. And she's like, but is it really wrong? Because Lola, she's such an innocent character and she's yeah. so funny. But everyone is like, no, this is not normal. You can, it's okay to say that this is not normal. And it was such a powerful thing, such a powerful thing that happened. And my last favorite scene is, uh, <clears throat> there's so many, there's so many, so many, but there's this uh, part where Nick, he, he has been newly assigned a hormone monster or, or a monstress, which is the, the amazing Connie played by the inimitable wow, yeah. Maya Rudolph, who is Killing it in every line. Just, if she comes out and says a single line in the episode, she will steal the episode with that line. She's just amazing. And they get into a fight, and she, she feels inadequate as a home, hormone, hormone monstrous assigned to Nick. And <clears throat> she starts singing this amazing bluesy kind of sad song. And Nick is walking in the rain, and she's just looking at him like just forlornly. And then it turns out she was singing the original theme song, only the bars that go before it. And yeah. then you turn. It turns out that the song that goes, "I'm going through changes," and that's the only lyric it has. It's actually a very sad song. Yeah. It's a song about losing things. It's a song about losing innocence. It's a song about losing. And I was just like. Am I being moved by this? And I was so moved. It is so good. If you haven't seen it... And one last thing about Big Mouth. It's mature audiences. That's what it says. But they're so clever. Because it's on a streaming platform where a lot of teenagers will be seeing it. And if it's not intentional, then it's a happy accident. But if it's intentional, you magnificent bastard Nick Kroll. You magnificent bastard. Because you're putting it at the reach of teenagers who should watch it. Even though it's massively inappropriate in so many ways, teenagers need to watch this. And I say this as someone who has actually specialised in teenage psychology and development. Teenagers need to see something like, let's talk about vaginas. It's fine to talk about vaginas. It's fine to talk to vaginas too. Um, There's a... What's the name of the the actress that plays uh, Jess's vagina? Uh, Kristen... No, not Kristen... Kristen, Kristen Bell? No, is it the same that plays? Wig, Kristen Wig, <clears throat> or Kirsten? I, I don't know. I never know. Which is the same, the same one that plays? Um, <coughs> yeah, I know her. Yeah. And you know, like that, those scenes where it's like the hormone mistress and Jess and the vagina talking at the same time. Everything about this show is glorious. Watch it. Just go like now and put on Netflix and watch Big Mouth from beginning to end because it's just amazing. It's just so good. I'm done. And that was our show. Thank you for stopping uh, by. The yes. police has come for us now, you know. You Apparently. Know. Uh, you can follow Luz Augusto mm. at Mr. Drama everywhere. And you can follow Martileon at Mintonaro everywhere. Thank you for stopping by. Have a nice week. Bye.